Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Hope you all had a great Halloween weekend. And if you were at the season kickoff block party on Friday, hope you had an awesome time at that event. I'll be honest, I'm going to limit the pleasantries today because we have a jam-packed episode this week. But I do have to say thank you for everyone who tuned into the episode with Coach Kelsey last week. We got a lot of great feedback on that. Today, we're going a little bit more macro. We are going to do a preview of the Colonial Athletic Association, the conference that CFC plays in. To help me do that is a returning guest, Mr. Brendan Doyle of the fantastic No Bid Nation podcast and blog, which follows William and Mary basketball. He joined me a couple days ago, right after CAA Media Day. We had a look at the preseason poll and counted down each team from 10 to 1. Give you a couple thoughts on the players, the style of play, what you need to know to help familiarize yourself before the season begins. We also start our conversation with a little conference realignment talk. Uh, If you've been following that, it looks like James Madison University is going to be leaving the CAA imminently. So Brendan and I talk about how the conference should respond to that departure, and we'd love to hear what you think as well. One last thing, the plan is to do a mailbag episode next week, so start thinking about your question or questions. Submit those, and we'll answer them on the show. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media, Holy City Hoops. Let's get to this preview. All right, we are very pleased to bring Brendan Doyle of No Bid Nation back into the pod this is becoming like an annual tradition, Brendan. We, we did it last year, had a good time bringing you back this season. This might actually be the last time we preview the CAA as it is presently constructed. <laughs> uh, we are recording this on media day and the official JMU news has not come out yet. I know you touched on this topic on your podcast, but are, you're expecting JMU to make the jump like everybody else's, I, I take it? Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see when exactly that happens, uh, considering that most people I've seen have said 2023 is when they would start. So we might even have another lame duck year, which would be very interesting to see if they'd be even allowed to compete for the CAA championship. But uh, I guess we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, you're right. It, it feels like an annual tradition at this point. We've only done it twice, but uh, uh, very excited to to be back on here. We're the only two people crazy enough to do a yearly podcast previewing the CAA <laughs> and mid-majordom in general. Yeah, we, we are the only people who are willing to put our names on any predictions about <laughs> yes. the CAA for some reason. We're, we're stupid enough to do that. I Well, I, I don't know if you looked back on our predictions. I That's in the past. I don't even want to look at it, but I know <laughs> I was wrong in a lot of places. I think I think I am the only like Elon fan on Twitter. Like there needs to be like an Elon version of us because I called the Elon upset in the tournament, but every, everything else, nobody needs to check facts on that. Don't worry about it. Oh, we, we, I feel like we've been on the Elon train for a couple of years now, uh, ever since the upset in the tournament in 2020, uh, when they beat William and Mary, uh, shook yeah. me to my core. <laughs> where, <laughs> where are all the I Elon just, fans? We need an Elon podcast because yes. right, we can't I, be the I, two biggest Elon fans. We have all their alma maters. There, there are every single school on on CAA Twitter. There is at least one or two people, uh, but Elon, I just just can't find anybody. So uh, let us know if you actually do like Elon. Uh, we can't be the only ones. Yeah, yeah, Elon, step it up. Well, you touched on this on your pod, just on the realignment talks. Where do you want to see William and Mary end up in all this shuffling? Do you have a preference? Uh, well, you know, I think the best possible situation is the CAA grabbing one to three more schools and splitting into a north south arrangement i know you have your reservations i've i've seen some some talk of uh some screwy uh division situations in previous iterations of whatever conference you guys were in but considering you know all, all the underlying stuff that caused William and Mary to cut seven sports and then reinstate seven sports. Yeah, I uh, some that. some some budget help would be good and certainly, you know, splitting up into v- divisions should help with travel as well as just stabilize the league for for a little bit longer. Now if if Elon and College of Charleston, I know that's been debunked a number of times were to go back to to the Southern Conference, I feel like the best move would be for William and Mary to tag along, mm-hmm. but um but I do think that with a stabilized CAA, at least for the time being, until 
you know, things act back up in five years or so, that'll be the best place for, for the time being. Yeah. I don't see Charleston going back to the SoCon with their tail between their legs. Like it's still a football conference at its core, which doesn't the priorities don't align for Charleston. You know me, I'm team A10 or bust as much as a a pipe dream as it is, but that is a basketball conference with the same kind of footprint as the CAA. I think the CAA is is, with JMU leaving. It's kind of facing that identity crisis. It's like, do we want to keep football Mm -hmm. around or are we going to become like a basketball only destination? So we'll see what Joey D and the team does, but I have, I don't have much faith in them making the right decision. Yeah, the uh, the creativity needed to do something <laughs> interesting has been sorely lacking for about the last five years or so. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting, but keep an eye out for the JMU news that should be dropping probably before this podcast goes live. But we will continue. We will move forward as if nothing is going to change this season and JMU is going to be eligible. But that makes this preview even more difficult because I don't even know what teams were good last year. Like. The, the conference only played <laughs> half their games and everybody played these fluky schedules. I don't know who was good or bad. The six seed Drexel won the conference tournament. Everything's kind of up and down, but the, the league does bring back a lot of talent, maybe more than a traditional year because of the COVID extra eligibility season that a lot of people got. But uh, like most years, there's also the exodus of, of top players via transfer uh, I was thinking about this before the pod. How good would a team of just CAA exiles do in the tournament? Are we thinking Elite Eight, Final Four potential, maybe? Oh boy, uh, yeah. I mean, you you look at the just the the names that leave every single year. I mean, the big one that probably leads the way this year, Tyson Walker. Um, you know, he's going to play for Michigan state, who's going to be a tournament team this year and and probably be one of their leading scorers. Um, just across the board. I feel like every single year last year, more than ever, but this year too, you see that exodus of talent. Um, and you know, like you said, there seems to be a little bit more sticking around this year, but even so you look at half these teams who have three or four transfers, who knows what that's going to look like. Um, and like you said, out on top of it, that we don't know how these how good these teams are anyway because last year was so yeah. fluky. Yeah. So it's it's a layer of uncertainty on top of layer of uncertainty all the way down and it's going to make for a wild conference season I, I think. Yeah, it has the the usual parity in the CAA. Um I think it's the last 4 or 5 years there's been a different champion every year so it's not like this is the you know Gonzaga picked as the favorite every season. It's always always a tough league to to sort out but we'll do our best um we'll go off the media list um and we are fans of two teams who are looking up in the standings but i think that's okay i will i will i'll just hand the first one off to you william and mary was picked <laughs> was picked 10th so uh what do we need to know about the tribe your your school william and mary was incredibly young last year and will be just about as young this year um, obviously they lose Luke Lowy, uh, who was probably the, the one guy that you point out on, on the team last year, at least going into the year, uh, as a guy to watch, he transferred with his extra year of eligibility to Minnesota. So, uh, we'll be cheering him on there, but they bring back the CAA rookie of the year from last year in Connor Kachera. Uh, he averaged 14 a game last year, really stepped it up through the month of February and became that kind of all CAA player uh, with a little bit more consistency in his game. I'd expect him to take another step forward and have an all CAA season this year. Jerry Covington was another freshman who played a bunch last year. Turnovers really killed him. Um, I think he led the CAA in, in turnovers per game. Uh, and as a point guard, that's <laughs> it's not great, but he has a, he has a good, good uh, skill set that he can get to the rim with ease finishing was a little bit of a challenge but hopefully he's he's worked on that over the, the offseason uh, he can shoot it a little bit and this year he should have to play a little bit less point guard which will be good to get the ball out of his hands most of the time apparently reiner Sherbanovskis is going to play point guard Who? uh i i got the yeah yeah uh, i got the blue ribbon and uh brian mull does a great job with that uh and he says that 
Reiners is apparently going to play a little bit um, after talking with Coach Fisher uh, in his third year. Uh, he's been mostly a reserve. He's going to be a junior this year. He played a little bit his freshman year, played less last year. I have no idea what to expect. I would probably expect more of freshman Tyler Rice at the point guard position. Um, he's going to be exciting and a true, true point guard who can distribute lots of wing depth. They're going to be rotating guys in and out there. Brandon Carroll's a transfer from Florida Southern D2 school. Uh, Jake Milkerite was a freshman last year, shot the ball really, really, really poorly, but was coming off an, an injury and, and should be in better form now. He was actually more more heralded as a recruit than Cochera was. And then guys like Quinn Blair, who feels like he's been around forever. Yeah, uh, Miguel always Aza, gets draws shooter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... You've got the rotation at, at the center position, which was really, in my opinion, aside from the point guard troubles, the biggest issue that William and Mary faced all season last year. Um, they just did not get quality play from either uh, Mikel Harvey, who's going to be a senior this year, or Ben White, who was a redshirt freshman last year, sophomore this year. Um, I'd expect Ben to get a little bit more time this year. He got in foul trouble way too often last year, but if – one of those guys can't take the position by the throat. Uh, LT Hatton is a freshman coming in. He was probably bigger and stronger than both of those guys who could probably battle for some minutes. So it's going to be a lot of young faces playing. Uh, Mikel Harvey and, and Quinn Blair are the only seniors on the team. Everybody else who's going to play is basically going to be a, a freshman or a sophomore. Uh, and it's going to be really exciting to see now in terms of <laughs> success it's going to be a bumpy ride, um, but it's going to be fun to watch, you know, some of these guys develop. And from everything I've heard around the program, people are really excited. They like the talent that they have. It's just going to be a, a trial by fire of, uh, or a trial by fire of actually playing in the games and learning how to play college basketball. Well, I've, I've always said this, the guys who win rookie of the year, if they stick around, they usually end up landing on a first team you know that's second or third year and they end up being the guys leading the conference and scoring and stuff so i think the ceiling is is high for Cachera. i think where did he land on third team preseason on media day uh i believe second? he was second second, second team, team preseason yeah so I, I i like his kind of trajectory path i wanted to ask you what type of team is dane fisher trying to build because he had that weird like post shaver team with like the two towers with knight and like totally exceeded expectations. And then last year was more guard oriented, but now he loses Lowy. So like, yeah, he always talks about being, you know, more defense oriented than the prior regime. And part of that is probably a reaction to the way the prior regime ended uh, on a, a terrible, terrible defensive team, even if uh, they were a lot of fun to watch. But I think, yeah, like you said, kind of more guard oriented, they're going to play a lot of like four round one sort of sets on offense uh, and try to play tough, tight man to man pack line principal defense um, on the other end of the court. He said something in the press conference today. I was, I was in this press conference for media day and said, you know, year one for him was, was that night Van Vliet year. And uh, you know, they, they had the good fortune of having one of the best players in school history, Nathan Knight, and they had to kind of throw a team around him um, to compete. And obviously one of the best seasons in school history last year was going to be more like their, their first year, wipe the slate clean, start, start again. And obviously it ended up being the pandemic year at a very, very weird year. Um, so they feel like this is kind of their, their first fresh start um, since he took over three years ago. Makes sense. Well, I the Ken Palm does not have them as low as 10th, just FYI. So I, I know you're a man of logic, and there's a lot of smart people at William & Mary. The numbers say they will not be the worst team, but I will I will be rooting for you not to, to be in the conference basement. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. But uh, coming in at 9th in the preseason poll uh, was UNC Wilmington. I feel like I'll, I'll kick this one off. I feel like my preview of them is almost exactly what I said last year, which is if they're going to get back to this Keats style of play under Siddle, you're going to need good guards, and they have good guards with Okaru coming back. Jalen Sims is coming back. Shaikeem Phillips is healthy. That should be pretty good, but their defense was absolutely atrocious last year, yeah. and they have this kind of weird roster 
Um, what, what's just your initial take on UNCW? Yeah, I mean, defense is really where it's going to start for them. Offensively, they weren't necessarily what um, I think what Siddle really wanted from them. But if they can't right the ship on defense, then it's it's over for them. Um, you know, they play that up-tempo, high-pressure, press-all-the-time sort of defense. But they, they just couldn't turn the ball over last year. They couldn't, they couldn't create those turnovers. And when other teams got to the other side of the floor, they could get to the rim really, really, really easy, which is, <laughs> is a problem, especially for a team that generally doesn't play that big. Last year, they could put out lineups that, you know, were all guys between 6'4 and 6'6", which is matchup hell on, on the other end, on the offensive end for them. Nobody can really guard with that, but, or can, can stay with that. But on the defensive end, it was just a disaster. And I don't know if there's really way too much that has changed on the personnel front. Obviously they've, they've seen a couple of transfers in. I got, uh, well, Jalen Forns, who is one of the most interesting stories yeah. of, uh, this year, Jalen Forns played with like and came back Devonte Kaycock and, and those guys. Yeah. I think he won won a CA <laughs> tournament. Yeah, he's yeah long and roundabout way of, of getting back. And so he'll be back. And they've got uh, another shooter in in Alex Oglesby from Cleveland State who is transferred in. But I mean, things are going to have to turn around for them on the defensive end and and, and fast. Um, seems like most of the CAA didn't have much of an issue with their press. And if that's going to be the case, then, you know, they might be stuck at the bottom of the CAA yet again. Yeah. They they bring in James Baker transfer from Moorhead state, who seems to be the guy who's going to be in the paint. I I also read the blue ribbon preview and they seem to be high on him. He's a guy who averaged like eight points, four rebounds the last couple of years for a a pretty good Moorhead state team. But I, I think the team kind of begins and ends with with the guard play. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked Shaquem Phillips as a rookie. I think he was on the all-rookie all team. Was allergic to threes, but was a, a pretty good defender and a pretty good point guard. Um, he's coming back from a leg injury. I think he'll be a really important piece. And yeah, I think I think the Jalen Sims, Jalen Forns um, combo is, is going to be interesting. But defense and, and bigs, I don't know where they're going to get those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think offensively they'll be okay. Okaru returns um, and Jalen Sims, both of them honorable mention in the preseason all CAA poll that came out today. Shaquem Phillips was great as his freshman year. I think he took a little bit of a step back um, last year, but yeah, if, if they can, they can shoot the ball. I think, uh, I think Siddle wants them to shoot it a little bit more from, from three. So get a little bit more up tempo there and, like I said, just finally figure it out on the defensive end because that that's not sustainable for them if they continue to play like they did. Let's move on to a team that is going to play defense. The eighth pick in the CA poll is the Towson Tigers. They return a lot of guys who have made some all-defensive teams. Uh, and stop me if you've heard this before, Towson is bringing in some transfers. Uh, it seems like every <laughs> year Pat Scary brings in new guys. This year it's going to be... Antonio Rizzuto, uh, 6'3 guard transfer from Albany, who was second team All-America East and on the All-Defensive team uh, last year. Cam Holden, who was second team All-Ohio Valley last year, top 10 in that league in scoring and rebounding. Uh, and Chase Parr, 6'10 center from GW. Those guys join Charles Thompson, who was an All-Defensive player last year and, and some role players. Uh, you know they're going to get off after the offensive glass. You know they're going to play tough defense. What's your take on Towson? Uh, well, if you can see here in my notes, I wrote uh, typical scary. <laughs> um, this is going to be a very, I mean, Towson plays one way. Um, like you said, they crash the offensive boards like nobody's business, and they play really tough physical defense. The guys that he brought in this year are, are basically going to be the same. Um, but here's a fun, here's a fun trivia question. Uh, okay. Where do you think Towson ranked in Ken Palm defensively last year? 200th. 332nd. Whoa. They were bad defensively. Is that a small sample size thing? Or I don't even remember who they Uh, played non-conference. But yeah, that's that's bad. William & Mary got them twice in a row uh, in 
in conference play. I mean, obviously, cause that was the, the format last year, but uh, two days in a row beat them two days in a row. Uh, and defensively they looked like crap. So oh, wow. they, I just don't think they had the personnel last year. Um, I think that the transfers will help uh, Nick Timber or Nicholas Timberlake is uh, an athletic wing who can, yep. who can shoot it a bit. He was not healthy last year, should be healthy this year. Um, same thing with, uh, Jason Gibson. Yep. Um, it's a good shooting point guard. Who's just a pain in the ass type of player. Yep. But I, I think the transfers need to step in defensively and, and kind of take it back to old school, Pat scary Towson physical defense. And if they finish anywhere in the neighborhood of where they did last year, they're, they're not going to be good again. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if injuries had a role to play in that. That defense being so bad, that is surprising. Going back to your notes, though, do you want to know what my open tabs are on my screen right now? <laughs> Besides my notes, <laughs> I, have, for it. I have Ken Palm open, I have Speedy Claxton's Wikipedia page, and I have Jameer Nelson Jr.'s stat profile on ESPN.com. There Those you are go. my notes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I actually had to write stuff down for this. I mean, hey. I, I didn't know half the CAA, so there we go. <laughs> All the transfers, I had to, I had to go back and pour over my notes. Yeah, there are, there are some, some data to crunch with all these guys going in and out, coming back to school, going to teams within yeah. the conference. We'll get to all of that. Um, <laughs> Funny, both of those involve UNCW. <laughs> yeah, but right. Yeah, I, I was going to mention Timberlake and Gibson as well. I don't know if I'd say, I guess they're role players, but they're like you know starter caliber guys in the CAA. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. Scary has underachieved in the postseason. He's like the nicest guy, but uh, that that worries me a little bit. I I honestly thought he was kind of on the hot seat last year. Performance wise, you feel like he should be, but I, I haven't gotten any sort of indication from that. I you were talking about how we don't know any Elon people. I really don't know any Towson people <laughs> either, and maybe that's a sign that nobody really cares whether he wins or not. But yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I I agree. A wonderful quote, but. Uh, just not really showing. I mean, the past couple of years, they have not lived up to preseason expectations. And mm -hmm. I wonder if this year will kind of be the same, even though expectations seem to be muted for them. Yeah. I think, I think health is going to be a, a big factor in that. We'll see. I, I don't know if they have like a go-to score guy. I think it, maybe it's going to be Cam Holden. It was kind of Zane Martin last year, but let's continue. Uh, next up is my school. Now oh. you get to sound off for two <laughs> minutes in a row with, with me not interrupting you at all. I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know anything about this team. They there's <laughs> there's 13 new players. They they only bring back there's 13 new players, a brand new coach, a brand new coaching staff. No no one has ever played together or for Pat Kelsey. So I think this is one of the tougher teams to figure out. So we'll start with the guys who are coming back. Brendan Tucker and Osanachi Smart are the only returning starters. Brendan Tucker Almost averaged 10 points a game. Had a couple really exciting scoring games, uh, most notably against Drexel down in Charleston, but was pretty inconsistent. Got a little bit better from his freshman year, but still struggles with efficiency, especially on his jumper. Uh, Osanachi Smart kind of is who he is, which is a defensive ground-bound center. He'll, you can stick him on the Dylan Painters and the James Butlers of the conference, but uh, he's not much of like an above-the-rim type threat, but... He, he, he does his job and it's going to be a totally, totally different style from, from Earl Grant, which is, I think maybe part of the reason why you saw so many guys transfer out is because Earl Grant was, you know, obviously a player's coach, but it, the system is going to be totally different. I think it's going to work for guys like Tucker Kelsey. He told me that he wants to get downhill with these guys. He likes to take efficient shots. He likes to play uh, a really aggressive form of defense. In order to do that, he has to play a, a deep bench because he's asking his guys not just to run on offense, but to run on defense. And on that that bench and and amongst the new guys, I think John Meeks is the one who's getting the most attention. Meeks is a transfer from Bucknell who is averaging an, an absurd point-per-game average in the limited games he played. I think he only played a handful of games at Bucknell, but was putting up 25 a game. Still landed on the second team all-conference list, but he seems to be the guy. Kelsey's hasn't been shy about saying he's the heart and soul of the team. Older guy, fifth-year player, plays inside, plays outside, pretty good rebounder. Um, Famir Ali is probably going to be a factor as well. Transfer from Radford. 
uh, was on the Big South all freshman team last season as a true freshman. Performed really well against Pat Kelsey uh, when they played Winthrop. So Kelsey now poaches him, brings him to Charleston to run this kind of fast-paced pick-and-roll attack. Nick Farrar is someone who might be an X-factor. Transfer from NC State, was a really highly recruited high school player out of North Carolina, but had some issues with conditioning um, that seemed to have been sorted out over the summer in Charleston. So uh, that, that's, the, that's the gravy guy. That's the gravy guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to get like a, a t-shirt made. Yeah, the guy who uh, was drinking gravy, apparently. Um, but he's he's looking chiseled now, so so props to the new strength and conditioning team. But then the, the rest of the team, it's going to be guys who are either stepping up. You know, we've got some a, a JUCO transfer. We've got uh, a Division II transfer, a Division III transfer. How do they perform at, at the Division I level is yet to be seen. And then we've got some freshmen who followed Kelsey. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough team to figure out. But that's what we know so far. Thanks. That, that's actually very helpful. I mean, my first uh, bullet point here under CFC is who the F is on this team. Yeah. Um, so uh, glad to clear that up a little bit. I imagine it'll take a little bit more time to really get a get a hang of who's playing. But yeah, I'm excited. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you guys are. I mean, Pat Kelsey's style of basketball is just really, really fun to watch. Analytically driven, lots of shots at the bucket, lots of threes, um, and plays at a blazing fast tempo. Um and it's, it's a very Pat Kelsey thing as well to go and poach a couple of non-D1 guys, and um, we'll see how that that turns out. But, yeah, for real, I, I do not know anybody's name. Um, they could all just be interchangeable, but uh, it's, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll figure it out as the season progresses. I mean, I, Kelsey is, you know, a, a hell of a hire by, uh, by College of Charleston, um, and as a – uh, current CAA foe and we'll see how that lasts into the future, but it's a, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit scary seeing what that could turn into with the increased resources that he now has in, in, in Charleston. Well, I, I didn't want to say it, but keep in mind the last two coach of the year winners were rookie head coaches in the CAA first at William and Mary with Dane Fisher. And then last year with Mark Byington. So you can turn things around in a hurry. Um, but this is, I mean, he doesn't have the player of the year waiting for him, we don't think, like like Knight and like Matt Lewis. So yeah. um, we'll see. Um, I think expectations for, for middle of the pack are, are totally fair just because we don't know how good or how bad they're going to be. All right, let's keep it moving. We will move on to the number six team in the preseason poll, and that would be our friends at Elon. I was ready to say Elon was underrated no matter where they uh, ended up. Um, you know how I feel about Elon. I think Mike Shiragi is one hell of a coach, and he's he's really building something there. They started conference play terribly. I think they started 0-7, um, but really turned it on, uh, finished on uh, a four-game win streak, and then obviously a 3-1 and mark in the CA tournament, uh, lost in the championship game. Hunter McIntosh is a guy who's already on the, the first-team preseason all-conference all team. I think he maybe the youngest guy on the team, maybe the only non-senior, but give me your thoughts on Elon. Yeah. I mean, I wrote down perennial dark horse, but I guess if they're always a dark horse, they, <laughs> right. It's like saying somebody is underrated so much that they end up just properly rated that Elon should just be a horse. They're not a dark horse. <laughs> they are a legit horse in this race. Um, Hunter McIntosh is one of my favorite players to watch in the CAA. He's really, really good. He can shoot the ball with anybody. Um, and he plays really hard defense, uh, and I, I'm not to give anything away. I don't think he's going to be my preseason player of the year, but, uh, he's certainly on my first team at the end of the year. Um, Gerald Gillins Butler, uh, was hurt last year for most of the year. Um, he looked to be one of their bell cows scoring wise. Yeah. Um, and so getting him back is going to be a big boost for them. Uh, overall, they have a lot of depth in the backcourt, um, not as much in the front court. Uh, Chuck Hanna is kind of the guy who they start at the five, but he's an undersized five and just kind of gets through with, you know, the grit and hustle and, and want to, and all those coaching words. Um, Hunter Woods is a, a pain in my side. Uh, just can step out and hit a three and always the worst time for, for William and Mary, apparently. Um, but 
I think this team has the players. Obviously, the top is pretty wide open, ranked sixth in the preseason poll, but uh, I think they certainly have as good a chance as anybody to rise up the the poll and or, or rise up the the standings in the regular season and end up with a a good shot to uh, bring the title home in in March. Yeah, Gillen's Butler looked like he could could be a real piece for them uh, before he got hurt. He only played in those three games, but I think he was averaging like. 15 a game over that stretch and they went three and oh um another guy you didn't mention who's coming back from injury uh zach irvin uh, was in that first or second recruiting class under shroggy had a really nice freshman season but didn't really do much uh last year and we haven't talked about did we ever figure out if it was Jaden or jadun michael roll with Jaden. <laughs> whether it's whether it's Jaden or jadun michael um he was the highest rated recruit i believe in the caa when he came in Barely played last year, had a pretty serious injury the summer before his freshman year. But when everyone was granted extra eligibility, I think Shragi was like, okay, we'll we'll roll him out here when he's, you know, can play a few limited minutes. But, you know, he his, he's got outstanding potential himself. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think uh, we've always talked about the Hunters, Hunter McIntosh and Hunter Woods. Hunter Woods kind of took a, a bit of a step back from that all-rookie team he was on with McIntosh, but still led the team in rebounding as, as an undersized guy. But getting back to Shragi, lots of multi-positional players he can throw out there at guard and at wing. They run a really sharp offense. I, I think they're just going to be in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Shragi, as we've said before, I mean, he's a really, really good coach. I think he's proved that in back-to-back marches now, uh, you know, making the final four of the CAA tournament his first year in, in 2020 there and then making the run to the championship. Uh, last year uh, in a bit of a surprise, but, you know, he's shown that he can, he's right there with the rest of, <laughs> with the rest of the the best coaches in the CAA. Um, Bill Cohen is the one who comes to mind, but yep. Yep. I mean, they, they're going to have, they're going to have a chance in March and given the way this conference looks, I mean, that's about all you can ask for. Yeah. Yep. Let's move into the top half in the preseason poll. Number five, Hofstra. So the Speedy Claxton era is beginning. Um, Longtime assistant coach at Hofstra, a very decorated Hofstra basketball alum himself, uh, won an NBA championship with the Spurs, finally gets his shot as as head coach. They do lose two of their three leading scorers from last year. Tariq Coburn headed to St. John's and Isaac Conti, who was just a beast inside, is headed Mm -hmm. to uh, LIU or is at LIU Brooklyn. Uh, but they do bring bring back Jalen Ray, a guy who could really compete for player of the year by the end of the season. Uh, Caleb Burgess is back as well, led the CAA in assists per game. And they have a really interesting high-level transfer coming in, uh, Zach Cooks uh, from NJIT, 18 points per game last year. So they're going to have some guys in the backcourt who can really do some damage. And they do have perhaps my favorite player in the CAA who doesn't play for Charleston, Kayvon Kramer. Who I love. Oh yeah, he's, he's like the CAA's peak Blake Griffin. Just like dunks everything. <laughs> super athletic. Made the All Rookie Team. I think he was like top five or six in the league in rebounds per game. I, I really like him as a player. Uh, what do What do you think of Hofstra? Yeah, um, they're going to be interesting to watch. I feel like I've said every single team is going to be interesting, but I mean, we really don't know what any of these teams are going to look like. And I think Hofstra is one of those teams where, you know, especially with the new coaching staff. I'm not completely sure what to expect. I know offensively they want to stick with, you know, what they ran for most of uh, the Joe Mihalik years, which is good because their offense was consistently one of the best in the CAA. Defensively, word is they're moving to a more man-based system. They they ran yeah, zone under that? Mihalik almost every single possession. I, I'm not sure if they played a single possession of man in any game that I've watched of theirs in yeah years now and now they're going to play a bunch of man um so i'm interested to see how that turns out i i i don't know if they have the personnel to make that work at this point um you, you'd imagine that you know if speedy claxon is going to come out and say that that he he would have the personnel but but it, it'll still be a transition and uh, maybe they'll have a little bit of trouble on defense this year but it's not like their defenses were really anything special to begin with they're another team with a bunch of uh, transfers, like you said. Uh, Zach Cooks is going to be probably the the one to watch in terms of offensive potential. 
they, but they also get Aaron Estrada um, from Oregon. Originally was at St. Peter's in the MAC. Um, I believe he was on the all freshman team there before he transferred to Oregon. I believe he's, he should be eligible this year. I think he needed to apply for a waiver, but he should be eligible this year. Um, so they bring in some, some talent. Like you said, uh, Kevon Kramer is a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they want him to be a bit more active offensively and, um, not just park himself on the three point line to, you know, shoot jumpers and shot fake, go to the rim. But he's like you said, really, really athletic plays hard on the defensive end as well. So overall, they've got some talent, uh, Jalen Ray, Caleb Burgess. Now it's going to see how do they gel under, under Claxton and, uh, can the transfers kind of come into the situation as well and, and make this team better. I'm glad you brought up the the zone defense thing because Claxton's keeping a lot of what Mihalich did, but the zone was so fundamental to to how they played defense. Just to abandon that, but keeping a lot of the same personnel really worries me. It, it just seems like it's set up for like guys to like miscommunicate or, or miss assignments and mm-hmm. you know let let layups happen. That's concerning to me. I think Isaac Conti was was a really really solid player in in the CAA, if not even a little bit underrated. But I expect big things from Kramer, my guy, um, and they're going to put up points. So uh, I, I think it's probably an accurate ranking for Hofstra. And like I said, I think Jalen Ray is going to make a run at, at player of the year, the way he scores. Absolutely. So let's move on to number four, uh, the regular season co-champs, James Madison. This will be year two under Byington before he presumably goes back to the Sun Belt uh, with this program. They lose Matt Lewis, who was the player of the year. Unfortunately, they didn't have him for the postseason, which really stunk because they they were likely the favorites. Uh, but they bring back just about everybody else, and they did bring in a few transfers as well. Um, I know that those close to the program think this is going to be a really deep, really talented team. Give me your take on JMU. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the Matt Lewis loss is going to be a little bit bigger than you know, probably some JMU people like to admit, I think you saw that in the loss to Elon and Elon is a good team. Obviously they were a good team last year with uh, Hunter McIntosh and um, all the guys we just talked about with Elon <laughs> with all those guys coming back. But, uh, but without Matt Lewis, I mean, they did not have the go-to offensive player um, mm-hmm. that you really need if you're going to be a, a title contender um, in any conference in basketball, they didn't have that guy. I think they're hoping that, um, Vado Morse turns into that sort of player, um, that he can kind of be with the shot clock running down the guy who they put the ball in, in his hands and he goes to work, uh, like Matt Lewis was, uh, but that whole stable of, of guys who transferred in last year with, um, Vado Morse, uh, Jalen Hodge, Julian Wooden, uh, I think Justin Amati was a freshman last year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. But th- right. those guys are going to be those guys were going to be kind of the backbone of this team moving forward, and um, it's going to be it's going to be a, a a different setup for them this year than it was last year, where they're going to have three, four, five guys who are going to be capable of of scoring 15, 20 points a, a night um, compared to you know, the, the kind of one man show that was, that was Matt Lewis, uh, for most of last season. Yeah. I also really like their sophomore class, um, Amadi Wooden and Terrell Strickland, who might start a point guard all saw significant minutes last year, even for a team that was competing for a championship for freshmen to get that kind of time, I think was, is really valuable. Um, people are really high on to call Molson, a transfer in from Seton hall, but I think Charles Falden might be the, the guy um, transfer from Winthrop. I was hoping he was going to follow Pat Kelsey to Charleston, uh, but he goes back home to Virginia to play for Mark Byington and JMU. But this is a guy who is an absolute sniper, um, 40% from three for his career, won a ton of games, won multiple Big South titles. Um, so I think he's going to be a really, really important piece, um, even if it's just as kind of a, a spot-up shooter. If Charleston is going to play as fast as Kelsey wants to play, the CFC JMU game could set a record for possessions <laughs> because JMU played super fast tempo and Kelsey wants to play faster than anybody. But I, I agree with you, Matt. Maybe we're underrating losing the player of the year. We generally do with with most teams. But there's 
there's depth here. And if guys can step up from being role players and not just be role players playing more minutes, but but kind of mature into real pieces, then, then they yep. can still be pretty good. Yeah. And you're looking at kind of the, the contrast between what JMU is doing and what William & Mary is doing. I feel like those are the kind of two extremes of how to build a program you know, Byington obviously in the second year uh, and Fisher in his third uh, where JMU, you, you look at this roster and it's transfer, 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 bringing guys in to kind of build a cohesive unit together. Whereas on the William Mary side, it's all, you know, recruit a freshman. Mm-hmm. He'll stick around and, and develop into a better player uh, while he's there. So I think it's going to be telling in the next, like three or four years where each of these teams are, where each of these coaches are and, you know, just kind of a, a social experiment type of thing. Well, well, no one overachieved more than JMU. I mean, this time last year we had them in the basement and it was the same thing we're kind of saying about Charleston. We're like, it's a ton of new pieces. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Is Matt Lewis good enough to be, it was, he was kind of the only holdover from the all CA team the year before. And was like, we're like, is he the best player in the conference? Um, and they just had a, a fantastic season so yep um but they did not win the caa the team that did was picked third in the preseason poll this year that would be drexel best one-two punch in the conference cameron winter and james butler are just such a, a matchup problem and if you just have them running pick and roll and surround them with shooters that's pretty good they had a ton of hot shooting in the postseason to finally get that caa title that's eluded them since 2002 I do think the loss of TJ Bickerstaff and Zach Walton is pretty significant. I love that Bickerstaff headed to Boston College to play for Coach Grant. And uh, Coach Grant brought an assistant from Northeastern, so they're both familiar with, with Bickerstaff. Not a shooter, but someone who gave you like 10 and 5 every night. Z- Zach Walton was a productive player. But I think, just like we said last year, this starts with Winter and Butler. Cam Winter, preseason pick for player of the year this this preseason gives you 16.2 points per game, over five assists, and uh, just under four rebounds. He was the tournament MVP last year. Fantastic player. And then James Butler's another guy like Painter, who's a, a walking double-double. But I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, Cam Winter is the best player in the CAA. And I think that's hands down. Can't argue. I think he is the best player in the CAA. And that is kind of visible by his impact on his teammates uh I'm, I'm i'm going specifically to uh james butler i think butler is a good player i don't think butler is a first team all caa player i think butler looks like a first team all caa player when he plays with cam winter because winter deserves so much respect uh and draws defenders to him and then dishes off he has that ability to to do that now Again, no, is, is no this, disrespect. Is this, just, about... yeah, is this a little bit of disrespect from <laughs> from your playing days together in high school when you're going up against uh, Butler? Hey, man, I shut him down. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, he's a really good player. I, I think he's a very good player. Um, also, I'm I'm here two years out of college, uh, and James Butler, who was the same year as me, graduated in 2016 from high school, still playing college basketball. Yeah, love These to guys see it. Are sticking um, around for seventh and eighth years. Wait till we get to Delaware. <laughs> Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, but Butler is really a, a steadying force on the defensive end, especially uh, good at protecting the rim, can grab all sorts of rebounds, offensive, defensive, you name it. I don't think he's he can't really create his own shot as well as I think people look in the box score and they see, oh, he averages a double double. Um, but that is neither here, here nor there. They're They're still a very good team. You mentioned their hot shooting to win the tournament last year. Another another fun trivia game. Um, what percentage do you think they shot from three uh, in the three games they played in the CAA tournament? Uh, I remember their game against Charleston where I think they hit like 60%. So I'll say they hit 45% in the tournament. That 60% is actually very close to what they shot <laughs> no. overall in the tournament. They shot 57% from three over the course of those three games. Wow. And I think I, I've seen some uh, Drexel fans on on social media maybe bemoaning the fact that oh we won the we won the tournament last year how are we not picked first in the preseason I think those uh, those hot shooting hot shooting games might be coloring the perception just a little bit I don't think they're the best team in the CAA 
but they're certainly a team that is going to be there in the conversation, you know, the, the second weekend in March for that bid to the C or to the NCAA tournament yet again. Did you catch in the blue ribbon preview, the quote from um, Zach Spiker about how Tyson Walker wanted to physically fight Matty Urich? Oh, yep. Yeah. That was my favorite line. Both. Okay. Both of those guys, both, both Matt A's are, I think I just wrote down two annoying players. They're just the most annoying players play against uh, Okros just because he can pull up from anywhere and nail a three and Urich because he's the type of guy who will make you want to fight him on defense. Okros, 80% of his shots were from three last year. 80%. Yes. Yeah, the other guy I wanted to mention was uh, Xavier Bell, who played yep. some of his best games at the end of the year. Is that an aberration or signs of development to come? We'll, we'll see. But uh, I said it last year too, talent wins out in mid-major leagues, and I think they have the maybe the two most talented teammates uh, potentially let's move on to northeastern picked number two uh you said that cameron winter is the best player in the caa i i don't know if you thought he was the best player last year i think tyson walker maybe edged him out uh just because of the two-way potential uh tyson walker was on the all defensive team we spoke at the beginning how he is off to michigan state where michigan state fans are starting to uncover how good he is it's like oh Tyson Walker this kid from Northeastern might be like our starting point guard and like is gonna be really solid it's like we have known this yes yes <laughs> um yes so again it, it's not often that you say a team loses a player that good and then is still in the running for best team in the CAA in the preseason poll but they still have Bill Cohen who's the best coach in the league I think we both agree uh Jamil mm-hmm. Telfort is coming off an all-freshman season along with being sixth man of the year. And then Shaq Walters is a guy who's still around, uh, gives you 10, six and three uh, on average, which is, you know, just a stat stuffer. And I yep. think I, I want to just preemptively put whoever plays point guard for Bill Cohen on the first team at the end of the year. Like I just, whoever, <laughs> whoever he finds, whether it's like an underrated recruit or a transfer, whoever he plugs in to run that system is just going to put up stupid numbers and, and perform really well. Do you think Northeastern is properly rated here? Yeah. I mean, I think we kind of played this game last year of, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, I, Bill Cohen, yada, yada, yada. But I, I don't know if this team really has the talent. And then uh, they, they went and finished what second, third in the, the CAA regular season. Tied for first, um, but lost the tiebreaker. Oh, uh, that, that's right. Okay. And, and um, it was me saying those things about Bill Cohen. I'll, I'll admit. Last year. <laughs> I was okay. Maybe, maybe this is where our preseason predictions last year really, really fell. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, losing Tyson Walker and yet we still can't ever doubt a Bill Cohen team. Um, it'll be interesting to see them play without kind of a go-to player. Uh, that's kind of been their modus operandi the past couple of years. Obviously Tyson Walker last year, who's going to, destroy the hearts of other big 10 school fans. Um, Jordan Rowland the year before, and you can kind of go back a little bit with that. Uh, But now they're just a a very balanced team. Uh, You mentioned Telfert, you mentioned Jack Walters, Jason Strong is another player who I think uh, can kind of step up and be that sort of 10 point a game, play good defense and not make mistakes type of player. Um, Chris Doherty is a guy who is uh, about three inches shorter than me and somehow is the greatest rebounder I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but somehow it happens. They're going to be able to throw out a lineup of players who are all like 6'3 to 6'7 and make it work. Um, that's the kind of team that this is going to be, is, is every single player on their team is going to be able to play one through five, uh, which is, you know, kind of a new age basketball, positionless basketball, whatever you want to call it. Um, coming from what some might consider an old school coach who runs a motion offense and asks his guys to play really good defense, but, uh, but it works and it's going to be quite a year for them. I think it's uh, the other player who we were talking about earlier, actually uh, Joe Pridgen 
an in-conference transfer. Uh, what what do you think the other coaches in the CAA are, are thinking right now with that? Man, it, that's that's ice cold from Pridgen. Because theoretically, <laughs> if you're moving within the conference, you're not stepping up in terms of like resources or talent ability. You're just like, I want to play for this. T-. It's like a Kevin Durant to the Warriors <laughs> move. It's like, I, I'm going to go from like the 10th rated team to the second rated team. And I just think things will be work, work out better for me there um yeah but you don't see it often but that is um that could create a little bit of drama in this in the uncw northeastern matchup i think yeah but he was yeah, like a top 20 definitely. scorer last year it's like a really nice piece to add yeah i mean you wonder if uh, uh you have takayo siddle going over there uh saying eh, i don't know i think we want to bring in somebody else and maybe play a little bit better defense and he's like okay fine i'll show you i'm going to northeastern yeah, and we're gonna maybe we're gonna beat you twice i hate yeah. to be in siddle shoes um no. i'm glad you, you brought up uh doherty i think coming from notre dame i maybe put him in the class of like the james butler and dylan painters is like these guys who transferred in these bigs who transferred in and like rumbled their way to double doubles and he wasn't quite that last year actually maybe kind of far from it but he has tons of potential that's how we got to notre dame in the first place but so i'm interested to see what they get from him but um same same old thing with bill cohen they're not going to beat themselves they're usually one of the top defenses in the league and um they're gonna be a good team i think and last but not least we are moving on to the number one team in the preseason poll uh number one on ken palm as well the university of delaware if you like continuity and you like experience coming back and you like a team where the average age of the starters is 35, then Delaware <laughs> is the team you pick to win the CAA. Do you agree with this selection? Um, on paper, I would agree with this selection. In practice, I am not so sure. Um, okay. The first thing that you know really kind of scares me a little bit is Inglesby's teams never quite seem to reach their potential on paper uh, for one reason or another. Um, over the past couple of years, it just feels like um, you see, you know, top top five, top three finishes in preseason polls that just don't really materialize. Um, even with, you know, these same guys in the last couple of years, we haven't quite yeah. seen a, a, a CAA tournament run that really uh, makes you think that they can win the CAA tournament this year. Experience is good, but not all experience is good experience. Not to say that these players are bad. I think that Ryan Allen is a very good player who hopefully will take a step back towards what he what he did his first couple of years shooting the ball. Kevin Anderson is a type, kind of do-it-all point-forward type um, Dylan Painter, like you said, is is probably the best big in the CAA. But I don't necessarily have faith that this core who didn't do it last year, didn't do it the year before, is going to suddenly be able to pull through and, and win the CAA this year. I think that's fair. I think Delaware did not reach their preseason billing last year either. Um, and first couple of years of the Inglesby area era, we lamented the fact that he was losing guys to the transfer portal. And I was like, okay, it's hard for him to build with, with this group, but this is now year five of the Allen and Anderson combo and year, maybe three or four of painter. Um, so yeah, this is a group that's been together a long time, but it's not like they made it to the CA title game last year. But if you're going to, I think they're the safe pick because of that continuity and because of the experience um, a lot of people are talking about Jameer Nelson Jr., transfer from GW, who uh, obviously has name recognition and the genetics of a basketball player. His dad played in the NBA for a long time, was, I think, a one-time All-Star. So they could he, he chipped in about eight points a game as a true freshman at GW, so their backcourt could give you, like, 35 a game, like if everybody's putting up the numbers they did last year. And you couple that with Painter, and I can see why a lot of people would be like, okay, this team's loaded with talent. But I agree with you. They have not put it together yet. Um, they do kind of remind me of Drexel, though, where it's like the Winter and Butler combo like wasn't getting it done, and they finally got over the hump this year. I could definitely see Inglesby cutting down the nets and Delaware fans celebrating like the long road to uh, to a title like 
Charleston did in 2018 and other teams have done in the past, but okay. Uh, let's, let's, let's back <laughs> off long road. Their last title was 2014 coming from somebody who, uh, yeah, has yeah, not had that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking the wrong guy. It's, it's you and <laughs> Citadel fans who can, yeah, sorry. It's a sensitive subject, but yeah, they, they did have success in, in 2014. So it hasn't been that long, but it would, it would be poetic for Inglesby's first real recruiting class to, to win in year five now. Yep. William and Mary played GW last year before Jameer Nelson Jr. left the team. And I was impressed. Um, he's a good player. He, he can slash and get to the hole, uh, plays really good defense. I'd say the one area, if he's really going to kind of step up and take his game to the next level, he's got to shoot the ball better. I think he was, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit less than 30% from behind the arc last year. Um, so if he does that, I mean, he's going to be a great addition to their team overall. They need to shoot the ball a little bit better just in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, it starts with Ryan Allen who shot it, you know, in the mid to high thirties, his first couple of years and has since really, really fallen off. But if he gets that back in order, I think he's a first team all CAA type player. Kevin Anderson is an all CAA type player. Dylan, Dylan Painter is an all CAA type player. So they've got a relatively deep team that, you know, if, if this is the year that they can pull it together and get over the hump, I I don't necessarily believe that this is the case, but, but there's certainly a chance. I'm going to probably bite my, my tongue in a couple months, but is Dylan Painter like a player of the year type guy? It's been a while since, I mean, I guess Nathan Knight won it as, as a big, but Allen is a, kind of a streaky guy, but I agree with you on, on talent. And if he plays up to his potential is, is an all CA first team type type player rest of the roster. I think Andrew Carr um, is the guy who's going to start beside painter from, from what it sounds like um, 610 sophomore. We played well toward the end of the year. And then John Marco Arletti is a guy who Charleston fans remember. He was another player who absolutely lit up the Cougs last season. I don't think, I don't know what else he did besides that, but obviously he has potential. <laughs> Anything else on this team, or do you want to move on to uh, all conference? For that alone, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's 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 the only reason I, I brought him up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just the the last thing I would say, uh, Ebi Asamoa is a player who I think I would keep my eye on. Uh, I was a freshman last year, and uh, I'm really flashed. Can shoot the ball a little bit, so uh, keep your eye on him. He's he's the type of guy who might burst onto the scene. Well, let's move on to the all conference team. Um, so in the preseason poll, we have Cameron Winter as the preseason player of the year. He is joined on the first team by Hunter McIntosh of Elon, Jalen Ray from Hofstra, his teammate James Butler of Drexel, and then Dylan Painter from UD. I was telling you before we started recording, I think that's a pretty airtight list. I do think a Northeastern player will has the potential to land on that list at the end of the year. I, I agree with you maybe... Maybe Butler's the most likely to to drop out, if nothing else, just because he's splitting production with Winter, who has the ball in his hands a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the list? Would you sub anybody in or out? I mean, I think I'm honestly in the same spot as you. I think that one of uh, Jamil Telford, Shaq Walters, one of those Northeastern guys, if they have a good year, is going to, if nothing else, just because of the voting patterns of the way these things are decided, one of those guys is going to get on the team. I, I think that Butler is the guy that I would probably drop to the second or third team. I think that Painter is the better big, uh, and and I do have him on my my first team. But um, but the rest of the list, I feel pretty good about. Uh, Cam Winter is my no questions asked preseason player of the year. I guess we'll see if that uh, turns out the way we think it is. If he plays like he did last year, I think there's a pretty good chance that ends up happening. Well, we're going to look back in March, and it's going to be John Meeks on the first team all-conference <laughs> and player of the year Joe Pridgen from Northeastern just to just to spite us. Just to mess with us. That, yeah. that would be wonderful. Well, Brendan, I'm going to let you go. We have spent entirely too much time talking about CA basketball, but those are just the kind of knuckleheads we are. Uh, do you want to leave the people with a, a plug for your show, No Bid Nation? Yeah, sure. Um I'm on Twitter at bdoyle45, uh, and my blog slash podcast is on Twitter at nobidnation. Uh, you can find the podcast, the NBN Pod, uh, any of your podcast services, 
like us, subscribe us. I don't know. Uh, that's more YouTube videos. Subscribe to us. That's where I want to go. So yeah, just uh, check us out, interact with us. We love CAA basketball. So uh, yeah, yeah. We're excited for the season to start in a couple of weeks here. Likewise, ma'am. Brandon, thank you for coming on. And we will talk again when the uh, games tip off. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tommy. All right. All right. My special thanks to Brendan Doyle. Once again, be sure to check out No Bid Nation if you need more CAA Hoops content. Season is just around the corner, y'all. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.